Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Sunday, January 28th, 3.09 p.m. My name is Josh Molnex. On today's pod, Iowa State, untouchable. In Ames, Texas Tech gets a massive road win, and Auburn's second straight loss. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Like it feels like every single night, Josh just loaded Big 12 matchups over and over and over again. Big chunk of the show today in that conference as well. We'll start in Ames. We'll start at Hilton Coliseum. Number 23, Iowa State 79. Number seven, Kansas 75. And the Cyclones stay perfect inside the hallowed halls of Hilton Coliseum. Every year, it seems like if Iowa State is up for it in terms of having a halfway decent season, this game, for whatever reason, they shoot the ball really well from three and they find a way to win it. It is what if that I'm just I see this game on the schedule and I expect this kind of result. It's never a blowout. Usually there have been Mm -hmm. a couple, I think, but Kansas always comes close and just never actually leaves that building with a win. It is truly incredible how consistent it is when Iowa State is a decent basketball team. Yeah, it is. It's there have been some games recently with Kansas where I'm like, yeah, Kansas just didn't really play well enough to win that game. This was not one of them. Um, it wasn't spectacular. There's still some like I wish there was more depth and production coming off the bench. Yeah, there, the bench is what's trying to move to the starting lineup. It's just not right. There. Yeah. It's just basically non-existent. There was one field goal from the bench. The the starters were good. Hunter Dickinson, 20 and 15. Kevin McCullough had 16, 7, and 3. It did take him 18 shots to get those 16 points. But like for the most part, there wasn't anything that really screamed. This is why Kansas lost the game, other than maybe the fact that Iowa State shot 14 of 30 from the three-point line. But a really, you know, competitive basketball game that Iowa State just scored enough points to win and uh, Kansas not quite able to to get the job done. There is something defensively you're sacrificing by putting Furphy into the lineup and leaning on him more. To me, it still is the right decision because mm-hmm. it was not working before. <laughs> and it's not like the sky is falling because they lost this game. These are games you're going to lose. Now, the part of this that is interesting to me from a Kansas perspective is what we talked about after the West Virginia loss. First of all, Kansas has two road wins. They are IU in a game that they probably should have lost, but to their credit, found a way, and Kevin McCullough just decided they weren't going to lose and found a way to make the plays, but they were down most of that game, didn't play particularly well. And Oklahoma State, who is the worst team in the Big 12. The rest of their road games are against teams, depending on how you feel about Iowa State, of Iowa State's caliber or somewhere in that ballpark. They got to find a way to beat some of these teams. They're going to stay in this race. Because you do have some teams that are finding at least ways to beat UCF on the road. We're going to talk about Texas Tech just beat Oklahoma on the road. There are... This could easily get to a point where we're talking about Kansas losing six, seven, eight conference games 
not because they're bad, but just because you have to be so good to beat somebody on the road in this conference. Ken Palm is projecting them to win 10 conference games, go 10 and 8. That sounds about right. Yeah. So when, yeah, one, I mean, they've got one road. Yeah. So that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure. Maybe I won't go all the way there because it's Kansas and who knows, but you've, you've lost your two best away chances. Right. You've already lost them. Right. I mean, with how many teams are off to, I mean, we're going to talk about Texas Tech here in in just a second, but with three teams still at least a game ahead of you, I'm not sure it's a crazy thing to suggest. And one team, two games ahead of you, game and a half, two and a half, game and a half. Um, I'm not sure it's crazy to say that the that Kansas winning the Big 12 is already a idea that is gone. That yeah, it's it's not like they're going to be flawless the rest of the way. This is not a flawless basketball team. It's, I mean, maybe, I mean, the, the, the chances of all three of those teams being worse than Kansas the rest of the way, and they have to be worse than Kansas the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Kansas has to be better than all three of them. Yeah. That seems highly unlikely right this second. And, the, yeah, the more that they continue, it's not because of this game in particular, but these are the kind of games, and especially when you don't have a, a head-to-head with everybody now, where you get all these return games back at Fall Gallon to make a game up on everyone. Mm-hmm. And right, because of the way the schedule went, because the games they should have won on the road were early. It, you got to find a way to win these kind of games if you're going to be in this title race, or else you're just looking at eight plus conference losses, and that's not going to be good enough because somebody's going to, yeah, get to 11, 12, 13 conference wins. Nobody's going to get. You know, and the get, issue is that Iowa State doesn't need to go win on the road against you. Right, exactly. Right. Because they're not, you know, most of the teams that are going to win this conference are not going to lose at UCF and some of these other losses that Kansas already has. It's just not going to happen. So they've now put themselves in a position where it hurts losing at a top 25 Iowa state. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something that fundamentally Kansas has not done in the last 20 years. And that's the position they've put themselves in only seven games into their big 12 schedule. Yep. The other thing I wanted to throw out there from an Iowa state standpoint this is 70 plus points four straight games that they are scoring <laughs> they're they're not great offensively but this is not sort of like Tennessee not to the same level because uh, they don't have Dalton connect but mm-hmm. th- this team can actually get and this game is a good example right usually in the past couple of seasons, you give up 75. Now, maybe at home you're okay. But they are they are scoring 65, 70 points fairly consistently in the best league in the country. That is a good sign that this is actually sustainable and that they could actually go deep into the NCAA tournament because they do have multiple scoring options. They don't necessarily have the guy, but they have – multiple guys who on any given day can go score 10, 15 points. You get contributions from a bunch of different players. It's, it's not exactly the ideal offensive strategy, but they're finding a way to work to make it work in a way that they haven't really the past couple of seasons. The big, a big reason for this is Curtis Jones. Yes. Um, three games in a row, 17 points, 18 points, 15 points off the bench. 
I mean, this was, I mean, that's on the back of a stretch where he went three, two, zero, seven. So we'll see which one is closer to, I mean, I'm sure the answer is that it's somewhere in between those two, but it's a lot easier to score 75 points when you have a guy coming off the bench and scoring 15. It's a lot easier. So we'll see if that continues, but if it is, and they all of a sudden have one of the more consistent like volume bench scores in the country like that, that's a, that's a very real thing. So he played really well uh, against Kansas as well continuing a very nice streak 79 75 Iowa state over Kansas Texas Tech just like everyone expected yeah. rolling through the big 12 they're now five and one in conference play and the entire conference the best conference in the country is chasing Grant McCaslin's Red Raiders they beat Oklahoma 85 number 11 Oklahoma 85 84 in Norman it's um if you just told me what Oklahoma did offensively in this game, I would not in a million years would have guessed that they lost this game at home. You score 84 points, you shoot 47% from the field as a team, 11 of 26 from deep. You win the rebounding battle, 15 of 24 from the charity stripe hurts, but it's still a, a stat profile that if you handed it to me on a piece of paper, I would bet that the top 15 team in the country at home would have found a way to win the game and a Texas Tech team that has been mowing through Big 12 opponents on the offensive end uh, does just enough to get another win and move to 5-1 and one conference. Got to give that backcourt credit. It's not exactly one that we've been talking about all season because nobody expected it. Those guys can score <laughs> and they, they can make things happen. And yeah, they just keep finding ways to have they not, you know, had all these signature wins. No. And you know, Oklahoma's struggling. I mean, that's four losses in six games, second straight at home. So maybe this is becoming one of those gettable games in the big 12 that teams that are serious about contending for a title win. Mm-hmm. But we just put that in the same sentence with texas tech <laughs> and and coming into this game one of the things i said that we, this is just the team we keep talking about you got to beat somebody on the road and if you win enough road games you're going to win enough home games if you're a good basketball team which texas tech is that you're going to get yourself to 10 plus wins and you are automatically in the conversation at that point because nobody's getting to 14 or something like that this conference is too good mm-hmm. and by the way Here's what is coming up at TCU, home against Cincinnati, at Baylor, home against UCF, home against Kansas. Relative to the Big 12, that's not very scary. Texas Tech has one game against Houston. They have already lost to that. They have that Kansas game at home, no return to Fog Allen like we talked about with the Iowa State game, and they play Iowa State once as well. Just the, the again, they got to keep it up. But every every time every win they get, they're one step closer, and the stars are aligning. Where the more you look at this, and the more other teams keep losing, you go. I see a very clear path as to how Texas Tech is going to win this thing and maybe win it outright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chance McMillan, by the way, twenty seven on ten of thirteen yeah. from the field, six straight from deep. I know you said the backcourt, but like that's why they won this basketball game. Because Chance McMillan has nights where he is the best shooter in the country. Uh, earlier this season, Texas Tech 
visited Hinkle Fieldhouse and game they lost in overtime, but he had 24 on eight of 15 shooting and all eight of those buckets came from the three point line and he absolutely couldn't miss. So it's definitely not something that, that um, I'm sure if you ask Grant McCaslin, he'd like for chance McMillan to be a more consistent um, presence on the offensive end. He'll do this thing where, I mean, like the, the two games after Butler, he had 24 and then he went three and three against Omaha and Oral Roberts then had five straight games of double digit points and then had three straight games of less than eight points where he was like two of 11 from the three point line. So he's very up and down, but I, it's not an, it's not an accident that Texas tech has won their last two games against top 20 big 12 opponents. And he is seven of 10 from the three point line and 14 of 20 from the field in those two games combined. Here's the other part of that too. Not ideal for the inconsistency. It's more tolerable when you have somebody like Pop Isaacs next to him. Sure. Right. Because Pop Isaacs probably a little more consistent, but on those days when he's not great, you know, you have that other guy who, right, can go knock down five three pointers, score 20 points, be the most dangerous player on the floor. Having those two guys where it doesn't just have to be the one is part of the secret to their success so far this season, for sure. And you haven't even mentioned Joe Toussaint, who's also averaging yes. 13 and a half points. And having a very good, yes, having a very good season as well. Yeah. Auburn, number eight, Auburn, 58 points, 58. That's that's five, eight, two less than 60 for an Auburn team that is top 20 in the country in offensive efficiency. Mississippi State, 64. That's a six-point win for the Bulldogs. Auburn lost their last two to Alabama. And Mississippi State still looking for a win against the top 45 Kim Palm team. We can discuss that if you'd like to. Um, but uh, a two-game skid for Bruce Pearl's Tigers. It's weird. Well, I want to reserve judgment on Auburn. I see. I'm allowed to continue to judge Auburn because I've been in the same place all year. Yes, I'm still not convinced they're any yes. good. So, if anybody who thought that they had had decided that they were good, you got to wait. I've not been convinced at any point this season. So, I right. get to I get to stick right here. Because part of this is, okay, yeah, the road hasn't gone particularly well. <laughs> the, the, at least even decent road teams they've played, generally they've lost those games, going even back to Appalachian State. They are undefeated at home, though, and they were blowing the doors off people for a while. Now, level of competition, not great. And eventually we are going to figure this question out. We're going to have an answer by the time we get to the NCAA tournament because of the teams remaining on their schedule. Yeah, there's going there, there's a lot of a lot of good games yes. coming their way. There are going to be right because I mean this is a good Mississippi State team. You don't necessarily bat an eye. You certainly don't bat an eye losing a rivalry game at Alabama. Now the question is, okay, when Alabama comes back to your place pretty soon, can you beat them? What happens when you play Kentucky? What happens? I believe they've got the road game at Tennessee. Then we're going to start to draw conclusions because, like you said, you can feel any you can spin the numbers any way you want and say. Part of the definition of a good team is doing what you're supposed to against bad teams. They've done that. You can also go, well, every good team they've played, it hasn't gone particularly well. Those games also haven't really been at home. Does that matter for the NTA tournament when they're not going to be playing at home because neutral four games and road games haven't been? It, it's a very strange combination. I also want to give a shout out to Josh Hubbard, completely changing the subject. Gets his uh, first real quick, of the before, season. You, but real oh, quick yes. before okay. you start changing the subject. Um, I mean, like... 
Alabama is top 10 at Kempom. I'm also not sure Alabama is any good. Right. Mississippi right. State not- also has a Mississippi State has losses to Georgia Tech and Southern. Southern being at yeah. home. Like, are you telling me I'm supposed to really tip my cap because you lost to that team on the road? I mean, sure, maybe, but it's not like they went on the road for these two games against Tennessee and Kentucky. Right. And lost by combined 10 points. And I'm supposed to be still super, super solid about Auburn. I'm not convinced about Alabama or Mississippi State either. So yeah. not being able to beat either of those teams and drop an absolute dud offensively against against Mississippi State. Like I with all due respect, I'm just not I'm not impressed yet. I'm not impressed. Yeah. Oh, yet. oh, for sure. For sure. My point is you wouldn't bat an eye if I said a top 10 team lost to Mississippi, if Kentucky lost to Mississippi State or Kentucky lost at Alabama or Tennessee, right? You can yeah, insert but, any but team. But all there. of those teams have won games against real teams and Auburn has Correct. Not. Correct. Auburn also just hasn't had that. The other part of this is Auburn hasn't had that many to- opportunities yet. Now we're talking they've about had four oppor- They've had three opportunities and they've lost all three. Right. Two of those are just conference road games that had they won these games, we're talking very differently because now they're consistently winning on the road. And yeah, certainly they haven't proven what they can do yet. To me, two road losses aren't a reason to bail if you believe in this team. Certainly it's not a reason. Right, right. It's certainly not a reason for you to change your tune because obviously they lost both games and weren't spectacular in either of them. I, I... I'm just open to the possibility that we feel differently by the end of this season. Once we see them play the best teams in the sec. Now, if they keep losing road games to the middle of the the conference, and then they lose to all of the good teams as well, then absolutely you're going to be justified. And they're going to be nowhere near the top 10 or, you know, the top four seed lines. Yeah. What did you got on Mark Howard? Yes. Shout out to Josh Hubbard. Josh Hubbard. Got sorry. Mark Hubbard's first... a golfer. Sorry. <laughs> You're just in, always in golf mode. I respect Sorry. Him. That's my bad. Gets his first start of the season. He's been really, really, really good for Mississippi State off the bench. He leads all scores with 17. It's just a cool under the radar thing that he's been probably the best freshman in the conference and finally gets his opportunity starting lineup and delivers in a big way against a top 10 opponent. So good for him. There you go. There you go. Anything on Auburn, Mississippi State, Purdue tried their best to lose at Rutgers this weekend. <laughs> didn't didn't quite happen. Shouts to Zach Eady and Braden Smith. Hey, at least they um, didn't. At least we're not repeating every single loss from years past. That's but true. Already had the Northwestern one. They avoided this one. <laughs> there you go. Zach Eady and Braden Smith, forty-five combined. By the way, sixteen of twenty-two from the field. Fletcher Lawyer and Lance Jones. Like on one side, I'm tired of Purdue sphincters being so tight at Jersey Mike's Arena. On the other side of it, they still won the game. And Fletcher Lawyer, Lance Jones, and Trey Kaufman Wren were two of 16 from the field. And it's not like anybody off the bench was. I'm Mason Gillis had a productive game, but I mean, maybe that's just the difference between Purdue this year and Purdue last year, among a bunch of things, is that. Braden Smith is capable of being the guy along Zach Eady that if you get nothing else other than those two guys, you might be okay. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case last year. No. And somebody else is going to – you just listed about five guys, right? One of them is going to play well. Yeah. And give you something. Whether that's Mason Gillis or Butcher Lawyer goes explosion, you know, goes nuclear and hits a bunch of threes or Lance Jones or Trey – 
one of them has to have at least a decent game alongside the two guys. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they didn't need anybody else to have a decent game. Nobody else really had a decent game. Like not really. So that's that's different. That's different this year. Anyways, yes. you got anything else from the weekend? I'm still kind of struggling with the ferocity of the reaction from Providence to Ed Cooley. Curious for your Why? Thoughts. He just did so much good. And he decided he wanted I'm, I'm 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 way in on the Providence side of this, so I'm curious what you think. <laughs> I I don't have a problem with them booing him or anything. It just felt like it was very, very vengeful in a way that it that that Providence is where Providence is as a program in large part because of Ed Cooley. Okay. It's not like he burned it down and left with the flame still going or something. You know, he did just have some really, really good seasons recently. All of these are reasons I'd be pissed that he left. He didn't leave to go to Duke. He didn't leave to go to UConn. He left to go to a Georgetown team. That is one of the five worst power five co- programs in yeah. the country. And if that, if it's specific to, and, and you know, who's capable of turning Georgetown around? Nobody. Nobody. It's certainly not looking like he's on that that trajectory right now. Yeah, I I would if I were a Providence fan. Sure, I would be a little bit insulted that I'm I'm with you on that part. That this idea of that was the change you made is now part of this is it is also Georgetown that has to factor in no matter how yeah, bad people Georgetown keep is saying now. that people keep saying that, but like so. Because having success at Georgetown means something different. Whether you actually but can nobody or not is, is a going to question. have success at Georgetown. Nobody. And and Ed Cooley convinced himself that he was going to clearly, whether he's right or wrong. Which would piss me off if I was a Providence fan too. Thinking thinking that he was going to find a way to make it better there than I, that part of it is deciding I, that not, struggling at Georgetown until you get fired, like everybody else has in the last fifteen years, instead of continuing the momentum and respect that Providence as a program has right now. And by the way, guess who still has momentum and respect Providence Providence. Yeah. Without and they you. Got the, they got and that's go, part and they of got it too. Higher, right. So yeah, I am like, I'm generally against the someone left. So I hate them argument, but I also, I like there aren't other than people making this vague statement of it's Georgetown. Like that's the only reason that people have ever given me that that Kool Aid left for Georgetown. Well, it's Georgetown. I mean, whatever that means in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I mean that is that. I believe he's actually said that <laughs> one. And I would and, love for someone to actually tell me what that means in twenty twenty four. The 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 historic nature of the program and what it represents in terms of what what the Thompsons built and its place in college basketball history. That that is it. Is that there's a historical gravitas to being the person who restores Georgetown. That's what it means to me. And and I'd be pissed if someone decided that the program that I built somewhere else doesn't mean as much to me as the theoretical idea of being the guy to bring Georgetown back to prominence. Sure. 
And if I were Ed Cooley, I would not have taken the Georgetown job. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, ultimately, the the most distinct way I can say is I wish there just would have been a little bit more appreciation for the for the tremendous work that he did. I know it's still early and it's bitter and it's weird because he's coming back in conference and right, he moved to a place that is just not in as good a spot as you are. There, there's a lot of weird and a lot of it is he made this decision on his, you know, that he was going to do this and I still accept the consequences. I just wish we could have taken a moment to appreciate everything that he has meant to Providence and all of the success that they experienced together as a fan base and coach. It just felt like he's dead to them now. And I don't yeah. necessarily feel like it has to be that way. Although I generally agree with your your points about why it's not going to be a happy homecoming. I'm not saying it should have been this happy homecoming. I just, could we have at least, you know, had some kind of recognition and then booed him during the game or something? Yeah, I just, I, Ed Cooley decided that there was a, that there was a future that was better somewhere else other than Providence. So I'm not sure why anybody expects Providence fans to be happy about that. I guess I would flip that. This will be my last thing and say, He's far from the only one who's left a job convinced that something else is better when it's really not. Sure. That doesn't mean that any fan base that's not happy about it has isn't allowed to feel happy right, about right. it. Right, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I yeah. Generally recognize it as one of the stories of the weekend. Indeed. Indeed. Uh that's gonna do it. January twenty eighth. It's 3.34 in the afternoon. I'm going to go watch football for the foreseeable future. We'll be back on Tuesday evening to discuss whatever's happening in the next 48 hours or so. Until then, take care of yourself. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you on Tuesday.